Today's scripture lesson is Amos 5, 21 through 24, found in Old Testament, page 854 of your Pew Bible. This is the often quoted passage that Martin Luther King used in the I Have a Dream speech. Amos prophecy during the mid-8th century before the Common Era, toward the end of a 200-year period when what we now know as Israel was divided between the northern kingdom, called Israel, and the southern kingdom, called Judah. Amos came from Judah but was called as a prophet by God to go to Israel at a time when the northern kingdom was at the very height of its power and economic prosperity. Now here, Amos 5, 21 through 24. I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The word of the Lord. In my hometown of Pittsburgh, the Allegheny River flowing southward and the Monongahela River flowing northward form the Ohio River. The point at which these two rivers meet is marked by a beautiful soaring fountain which has become the visual symbol of Pittsburgh, much like the Gateway Arch in St. Louis and the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Every time you watch a nationally broadcast event from Pittsburgh, such as a Steelers home game, you are treated to a view of this spectacular fountain at the point where the two rivers meet. (coughs) When you stand at the point looking out to the Ohio River, there is no way to distinguish the waters of the Monongahela from those that have flown from the Allegheny. They are intertwined forever as the Ohio River flows westward. Likewise, in this passage from Amos, justice and righteousness are akin to the waters of those two rivers flowing together indistinguishable, forever united, and cascading as one. But the people from the northern kingdom of Israel, whom Amos addressed, just did not get it. 
they saw no co connection whatsoever between being right with God and doing right by others. They identified themselves as God's chosen. So a sort of manifest destiny pervaded the upper classes. In festivals and song, they celebrated what they perceived as their privileged position with God. Such assemblies probably resembled the modern-day stadium where God Bless America is sung and eyes are moist with emotion as Bic lighters and cell phone lights wave in rhythm in the darkness. God has blessed us and our prosperity seemingly proves we are favored. We are chosen. We are exceptional people. So thought the people of the northern kingdom. But Amos told them that God wanted no part of their celebration. In fact, God hated and detested them because these displays were polluted through and through with the poison of hypocrisy. Though as God's chosen people, they should have known better, the people of Israel had created a justice drought. Amos chides them for a lack of justice in selling the poor for a pair of sandals and pushing the oppressed out of the way. A scarcity of justice is evidenced by their creating an economic system in which they manipulated credit. Israel's elite classes increased their wealth, you see, by driving the poor further and further into debt, a situation reminiscent of the subprime mortgages that helped precipitate the recession of 2008. But Amos, you see, was not the only prophet to rail against such injustice. Being right with God and being right with one's neighbor are linked over and over in the scriptures. It is impossible for one to exist without the other. Just as hydrogen and oxygen together are necessary elements of water, righteousness and justice make up the life-giving figurative waters spoken of by the prophet Amos. Often in the Bible, the targets of such harsh prophecies are faith communities that should know all about God's restorative justice, but they do not practice it. I am blessed that here my first ordained call has been to a church that seeks to live out its faith, a church where you understand that justice and righteousness flow together forcefully, strongly, and unbridled. But my grandfather, Reverend Thompson Ewing Duffield, was not so lucky. 
Many of you know that seeding my call to ministry were the family stories I heard as a little girl about my ancestors who were Presbyterian ministers. Because of those stories, I grew up thinking that Oh, being a Presbyterian minister was the most exciting and meaningful and worthwhile job in the world. My grandfather was a scholarly man and hoped to be called one day to a big city church where he could use his gifts to further God's kingdom, particularly when it came to the issue of social justice. His first call was to an affluent church in Somerset, the county seat of a rural farming area in western Pennsylvania. In the 1920s, the Ku Klux Klan was riding high in western Pennsylvania. Their torrential hate was directed not only toward African Americans, but also toward, toward the poor Eastern European immigrants, most of them Catholic, who had come to the area to work in the then thriving bituminous coal mines. Now, after one of their weekly cross burnings, members of the clan, many of them elders in the church, attended Sunday evening services at the Presbyterian church my grandfather served. They entered the church and took their seats in the pews while still garbed in their uniforms of hate, their white hooded robes. Their motivation remains unknown. Perhaps they were proud of their affiliation, believing like those Israelites in the northern kingdom that their prosperity put them in a superior position with God. Or perhaps they were trying to send a message to the young pastor Duffield, who was just too friendly with that Catholic priest down the street and preached sermons about justice and righteousness that made them feel far too uncomfortable. Regardless of their motivation, as the story goes, that Sunday night, my grandfather, standing at the pulpit, seeing the flood of hatred before him, slammed shut his Bible and declared, I will not preach to hooded men. This service is over. And he left. The next day, predictably, a group of elders came to the manse and informed him that his services were no longer needed in the church. Being an amateur boxer, he tried to throw a punch, but my grandmother stopped him. That one courageously faithful act of rebellion changed the course of my family's history. My grandfather never preached from the pulpits he aspired to. The powers that be considered him too much of a troublemaker. So he was relegated to serve the smallest of churches. My grandmother, a schoolteacher, from that day on was the 
main breadwinner of the family, and they often struggled to make ends meet. Yet my grandfather remained true to his faith and to his call. He never had to wallow in the stagnant pool of hypocrisy's guilt. The hatred the members of the clan openly exhibited toward God's children who were of a different nationality or of a different color belied their professed faith and made a mockery of their worship of the God revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. My grandfather would have no part of it. He heard Amos's message. It is impossible to be right with God unless we do right by each other. You, as a congregation, are blessed because you know this. When you enter this sacred space, you strive to leave all remnants of hate behind. Here at CCPC, Christ is our center and justice is our passion, are intertwined. Worship naturally flows into our advocacy and mission activities. We opened last spring's memorial to the lost. The t-shirt display against gun violence that Jenny Chesky and Jim Palm organized with a solemn worship service on the church lawn, complete with the playing of taps. Worship and justice again will be joined together from January 18th through February 8th of 2015, when this church will observe a season for economic justice. Members of the Worship, Mission, and Christian Education Committees are hard at work planning this special time for our church. The season of economic justice will be anchored in worship. Sermon topics will focus on keeping the Sabbath, God's call to justice, and economic liberation. Serene Jones, president of Union Theological Seminary in New York City, will be our Justice Sunday speaker on February 1st. Speakers who have studied the problem of our country's growing economic disparity will be invited to speak at open forum, and the concept of sharing will be uplifted in children's Christian education classes. From our worship will flow special service opportunities that the mission committee is busily planning. A group of you will go to Jubilee Jobs to assist their clients with resume writing and interviewing skills. We hope to work at a Habitat for Humanity site. We shall cook casseroles for the homeless, and the youngest among us will make birthday party packages for children whose families live in poverty. It will be an exciting time of refreshment and renewal for us and for all those we serve. Amos's poetry carries a universal message. 
for us here at CCPC and for all faith communities, even though it is one that many congregations, like my grandfather's, throughout the ages have not wanted to hear. Justice and righteousness must flow together. For the ever-flowing stream of faith-soaked justice is the only way a parched and hurting world will be revived by God's love. Amen.